Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And she moves the thing with her umbrella and she looks at him like she just provided him with a fucking family of children. Yeah. It's like literally like in the notebook, it looks like they just fucked with Dwight. That's all they did. But it was like she provided for him and he provided for her. And it was the sweetest fucking thing. Choo choo, all aboard. All aboard that ship. Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald, and I'm your host. So I feel like covering this particular couple, we might have some new listeners. So I'm just going to give a little intro about this podcast and how it came to be. It is always so much easier to understand relationships when you are not the one in them. We're all so good at giving advice when we're giving advice to our friends. Suddenly we're relationship geniuses. But when we're the one stuck in the friend zone or in a toxic relationship or failing to communicate with our partner, we can't see it and we can't see a way out of it. So this podcast is kind of designed to take that idea to the true extreme by using fictional couples that we all know to help us non-fictional people better understand our non-fictional relationships. So we discuss and debate and dissect the problems that these characters are having and find ways that they relate to our own lives. And then we can use what these characters did or didn't do on the show as some sort of framework to help us understand who we are in the situation and what we should or shouldn't do in our relationships. That's the idea. That's the podcast. And this season, we are talking about a very famous couple that I think we all know fictionally. And I'd argue that we also all know this situation non-fictionally very well, too, because I think that this is an incredibly relatable situation to get ourselves into. However, before we dive in, I'm going to introduce my co-host for this season. Each season of the show, which is about five episodes, I like to bring in a new uh, witty and wise person. And I'm very lucky that I have many of those in my life to chat about the couple with me and uh, bring their unique perspectives. So this season, I am so excited to bring on comedian, actor, musician, and someone who has wing-womaned me very successfully in the past, (laughs) Angel Giratana. Hi! Hello! Thank you so much! Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I love you. Uh, You know, Angela, obviously I know you and you've seen me through the start of a very big relationship in my life. But uh, yeah, guys, for those who don't know, Angela's very responsible for um, truly matchmaking me. My Yenta, (laughs) my Yenta over here. Yenta. But Angela, tell the listeners about you, who you are, what you do, and kind of like a little brief rundown of your love life, if you don't mind sharing right now, just so that we know kind of like the perspective that you're bringing to it. Um, Okay, so yes, I am an actor. Um, I do a lot of comedy at um, Upright Citizens Brigade. Hopefully not rest in peace. Hopefully they will reopen one day. Um, We're sending prayers and love. To talk about this show, you know, your insider knowledge of the UCB boys, I think will be critical Mm. in understanding boys who love the office, you know? A hundred percent. And also a relationship that I think was built off of bits. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? And like banter? 
cute yes. banter. And I think that's a really important thing because I'm I'm covered in cute banter. I'm kidding. But uh, yes, uh, my relationship history. Oh my God. So I grew up going to church and like leading mm-hmm. worship there. So I thought it was like literally never I would date. Not because it was like t- I was told it was bad, but I was like on a different path. And then I went to college and I was like, oh my God, I have never had flings. So then yeah. through college, I did lots of just games, lots of games. Great, a great, date, great, Dating great. on and off, like one or two people, but mostly it was like, I don't like anybody. I like to be liked. Mm. That very toxic seventh grade year came out through college for me, unfortunately. Yes. Especially as girls that are like, I mean, you're exactly this too, Megan Work. You're like funny a funny girl that's like kind of you're just in the corner you're like yeah. not really making boys laugh you're making right. your fellow other girl loner girls laugh um not the gender the whole thing it's like sleepover laughter yeah yeah so you just love the attention that was like mm-hmm. my beginning relationship like I have anyone with dating where it was like I don't think I actually really entered the dating world until post UCLA where we went to college mm-hmm. and then I was like doing the thing um we did a couple relationships that were mostly just like um comedy boys yep there we go um mm-hmm. And then I met my current boyfriend who I've been dating for a year and a half. And he's been like my first actual adult relationship working with me. I know it took me a really long time because I was like, I don't think I like dating. I think I like the game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Speaking Mm -hmm. of our couple. Yeah. So you're actually the first person that I've hosted the podcast with that is currently in a relationship. Lord God. But that's so funny because I would never ever think that for myself. Not because I'm like Mm -hmm. cool. It's just, I'm an independent person that has problems um, sharing parts of me that aren't polished like us all. Mm. Oh, that's a lovely perspective to be able to bring. I feel like that was a great, uh, what am I trying to say? Not refresher, a prologue, a great prologue. Two households. (laughs) Yes. Before we get into Jim and Pam themselves, let's just talk about our history with the show, The Office, because this show in particular, I just feel like the level of fandom you can be, the spectrum is so long and wide. I feel like it's important for me to, you know, uh, address this head on, uh, speak directly to the issues town hall style. I am on the record of kind of bashing The Office or seemingly bashing The Office, and I think I should clear that up. My intention is never to bash the office itself, because I love this show. What I feel like I come down on is the like epidemic of men using the office as a crutch on their dating profiles or just general online presence to prove that they're funny. Let's just let that sit for a second, (laughs) listeners. That was our host. Wow, that was truth. Tainted the show for me for a while because I was like, oh my God, another guy quoting, well, 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 how the turntables in Mm -hmm. their hinge profile. I'd argue, I think it might be, I don't know, this is a huge statement that might be so wrong. But like, I can't remember a show when I was like in middle school or whatever this came out that everyone all over thought was funny. Yeah. I don't think there was a sitcom at the time. That was like funny for everybody, especially in a generation where it was like, oh, if you watch the show, you're funny. Meanwhile, now we have many shows, right, that you can identify and use Mm. as a label for your personality being like, oh, I like this show. This is my my type of person. Right, right. I feel like a lot of boys who weren't funny in middle school were like, if I watch Steve Carell, I'm funny. Yes. I think I first 
binged it on a DVD set. Similar to, I think, a lot of people, I have watched the whole thing multiple times since, including recently, you know, to prep for this season. However, I am not one of those people who have seen it like 20 times. I was talking to a coworker the other day who was like, yeah, I think I've seen every episode like 20 to 25 times. Now I could say that about Seinfeld or Friends. I cannot say that about The Office. But I think that's not totally uncommon because I think some people, this show is so comforting as a rewatch and just like as a kind of have it on in the background show. She was saying, she was like, I watch it as I get ready for work. I watch it as I'm falling asleep. I think for some people, this show is that part of their daily life. So they've seen every episode so many times. And I get that because it is having to rewatch right now is so comforting, especially with the rest of the world collapsing around us. It's so nice. I was like, why don't I watch this more? Right. I was like, I can't believe I made it this far into the pandemic and haven't watched it. Yeah. But I also want to say that I am not someone who has seen it that many times. So I occasionally feel like I might get some facts wrong. But even like rewatching from the time I was in high school, I always cared about the Jim and Pam relationship. That was always priority number one for me. So I do think those facts have stuck with me. A hundred percent. Do you remember your first time watching it or when it Um, came into your life? So even more OG than the box set, I would watch it every night. There you go. Every third or every, every, whatever it would come on. I think Thursday. Yeah. I think eventually it was on the big night. Yeah. Yeah, and we watched it every Thursday, and then we waited till next Thursday, and we were a big household that loved the if they, won't they, mm-hmm. Jim and Pam part of it. I think that's why we were in it. And I, I think I'm the same way. I, I remember it blowing my mind as a kid and being like, this is the best thing ever. You know, in full sincerity, I was thinking about this today. I uh, dozed off when Steve Carell went. Mm-hmm. I stopped. I was like watching some episodes and being like, oh, my God. What a fun thing I can do right now. I can like pick up where I left off. Yeah. Because I don't know much of older married life, Jim and Pam. But in the beginning, in the beginning, I mean, like I had seen Casino Night when they finally kiss. Like (gasps) I've seen that episode. There are some episodes that I've seen like actually 10 times. Yeah. And other episodes that I'm like, I have no idea. I forgot about this whole plot point. Yeah. It's just touch and go for me. I forgot about Jan's boob job. Oh my God. For whatever reason, I knew about that because I think for some reason that's a big Jim and Pam episode. It I don't is, know. It is. It is. Okay. So like Dundee's, Casino Night, Beach Day. Beach Day. And I went to the pepper spray one where Roy pepper sprays. Yes. Oh, my God. Jan's boob job is the one where Jim finally asks her out. That's what exactly. it is. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Okay. So we kind of led into this nicely. I like to kind of talk about our takes on the couple as we're going into it because I think when you deep dive and, you know, hearing from each other and hearing from people who are listening, it kind of changes our experience of it. But I just want to get our takes about the Jim and Pam relationship going into it. I've always known people have always wanted me to talk about it. And I've been nervous too, because hey, wow. I just know people, I know people love this couple so much. So I didn't want to mess it up. And I love this couple so much. I've always been obsessed with them. But I also feel like there's somewhat of a backlash against them, especially later seasons, Jim and Pam. Like some people really do not think they're a good couple. And I also, again, I think because so many guys, true, like talk about tacos on their dating profile dudes, (laughs) a certain brand, a certain type of person, know this show so well and love and respect this show. So I was like, okay, Megan, you like really maybe, maybe have an avenue to teach straight men something, anything. And that, if I could do that, 
I could leave the world better than I found it. And that's oh. environmentalism. Oh, that's that's being eco-friendly. Yeah. That's recycling. We're that's fighting climate change. We're fighting it all. Yeah. So I'm going in as a fan. I'm going in optimistic, but I'm going to look, I'm looking for red flags. I'm looking to kind oh, of like draw yeah. attention to the things that I think that we're maybe glossing over. Exactly. What is a relationship podcast if it's not talking about all the red flags? Yeah, exactly. We have to. We have to. But yeah, you're you're a fan going in. Yeah, I'm a fan going in. I think um, it's so cheesy. I already hate that I said it, but it's true. I loved them because they were friends first and they yeah. had little stupid jokes. Mm-hmm. They were like best buddies. That's what I loved about them. I think this is the world's most relatable situation. The will they, won't they flirtation, but specifically with this show, because I think in terms of TV and TV romance and just romance in all mediums <laughs> to households till till now, <laughs> I know how to call back. <laughs> oh, she knows a call back. She does. <laughs> she went to enough improv shows. And because I think we've all at one point been a Jim or a Pam, we've either been the person pined after or we've been the piner in a flirty friendship. And I think particularly because of the nature of the show and it being about, I mean, A, just very normal lives, people working in an office, and also the documentary nature of it being, you know, found moments. We relate to it so easily because it's not a couple with life or death stakes, and they're not vampires. And the way that the dialogue (laughs) is written is that, you know, they're not these like iconic, I mean, there's lines that we love, but it's not these Shonda Rhimes-esque iconic romantic exchanges that people make needlepoints out of and sell them on Etsy shops. Yes. It's never raining. There's never shirts off. There's never lots of eyeliner. mm -hmm. Like we're we're in a grounded world. Also, I'd argue that this couple means a lot to a lot of people because I think this couple, we see them off of awkward energy. And I don't think there's a lot of couples where like you see them evolve, it be their full awkward selves. And that might be why we loved it when we were younger. Yeah. It's that idea of catharsis of seeing your own experience on screen. And I think that happens with Jim and Pam particularly because the run of the mill style of the show is so relatable. And so like to see it played out exactly what we're going through yeah. right now and and have it be familiar have it not be these perfectly written quips and phrases but be exactly the awkward energy where you're like oh that's that's a moment that I have had like quite literally where I was like oh um okay yeah no I'm gonna go I'm gonna go work too yes and for them not to get together when we expect them to get together exactly already is relatable yeah we're gonna go into our first segment that segues very much into this relatability and that's the segment called relatable content relatable content (laughs) i just reprised it i love a reprise thank you a reprise immediately after (laughs) (laughs) just in case you missed it the first time (laughs) um so in this segment we're going to spell out for you really the ways in which we ourselves see ourselves in a Jim and Pam situation. For this particular segment, we're focusing on the early days of Jim and Pam. So the I, what I call the flirtationship phase. And if you are listening to this and find yourself thinking, oh my God, that's me. Then, you know, keep listening. We're going to, we're going to take you through it. Well, we're there with you. You may be in a Jim and Pam flirtationship if there's a person probably in your day-to-day life that makes even the most painful experiences, the worst days, or the most boring meetings better. 
You also might be in a Jim and Pam flirtationship if you find yourself going out of your way to spend time around this person. Mm. One of my most favorite early moments is I think it's in the pilot where everyone else has kind of left the office and Jim's like waiting at his desk and Pam comes out of like the annex or the kitchen or something. And he's like, oh, are you are you leaving? Are you walking down? She's like, yeah, I'm walking down. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll walk down with you. And I I remember actually with um, I think for the purposes of the podcast, the person that you set me up with, I'm going to call Warby Parker. When I had a crush on Warby Parker, I knew the exact time he got out of class and I would go mm-hmm. to the drinking fountain at the end of the hallway and just like, linger. And I think that is incredibly oh, yeah. relatable if you're going out of your way to to be there at the right time. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's one. This might be a Great. crazy one. Okay, you may be in a Jim and Pam relationship, flirtationship, 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 <laughs> if things that brought you annoyance, characters around you, or situations that brought you boredom or annoyance suddenly have, like, more fun because you share a common mm-hmm. uh, opinion or yeah. um, point of view. It's like fueling your inside joke with this person. Mm-hmm. Speaking of when you met Warby Parker, when the times where I had flings with, let's call them, um, what's another glasses company? Lens Crafters. Lens Crafters. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. So when I Great. met Lens Crafters, I remember it was – it's fun to have like a common enemy. Yeah. Or like a common um, maybe – for lack of a better term, clown that you uh-huh. both like to laugh at. And mm-hmm. then that you, that gives you the eye fucking, not the eye fucking, uh, but you know what I mean? The yeah. eye laughing. Oh, eye flirting. Eye flirting, we'll we will back come there. back to because mm-hmm. it's huge. Okay. You may be in a gym and pan flirtationship. If you find your way to bring up this person's name in conversation constantly, I think especially I think it happens when it's not people that know them or know the situation because it feels safer. I think we see that with Jim and Pam in the first couple episodes and they're talking heads. They're like, oh, Jim said McSperry. Yeah, like he's on to me. Like they're just constantly talking about each other in these interviews. You may be in a Jim and Pam flirtationship if you find yourself villainizing whoever your crush is dating. Yeah. To a point where you're like, they literally look like a villain. Like Roy literally looks like a villain. Looks to me. like a villain. Yeah. Like his face looks like an Incredibles villain. But I don't know how much is that his face or is that what we put on him because we're like in this relationship as well. Well, and it's so funny, like the fact that Amy Adams and Rashida Jones play Jim's two like romantic partners. I'm like, they're lucky that I love those two actresses. Otherwise, <laughs> I would hate these women so much. Oh my gosh, that was my thing about um, normal people. Uh huh. Did you watch normal people? I was like, what a way for us to root for the couple to get together because everyone they're dating does not look good with them. No. Versus with this, it's like they were really likable people. But I mean, Roy was not likable in any. No, no. Also, just a while that Amy Adams is in three episodes of The Office. And she's just like a guest star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Line delivery that lives rent free in my head is Amy Adams on the in the fire episode where she like pulls up in the car and she grabs Jim's tie and she goes, I'm hungry. (laughs) They're like, hey, just be a hot girl. And she's like, "Okay, I'm hungry. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I will never play those roles. (laughs) Who gets the impulse to grab someone when you're hungry like that? As a guest star. Well, that's why she's got the Oscars. There she goes. Actually, she doesn't, but the noms. 
So my last one is, I think uh, you may be in a Jim and Pam flirty situation if if you're Jim, you feel sometimes that there's a 50-50 chance that this person is on the exact same page as you. They totally know what's going on. They feel the same way. And then the other 50% of the time, you're like, they could have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about or what I'm feeling. They could be completely oblivious. <sighs> and that is enough to drive, it, like, it can drive you crazy. Oh my God. Like leaving a first date being like, they either thought as well that that was the best thing in the world or no, no sparks flew for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with Jim, there are days where he'll kind of be a little bit bold. He'll like pick her up when they're flirting at the like wrestling studio they go to. Yeah. There you go. And then she'll freak out about it. Or like when she doesn't, when she trades the teapot at the Christmas party and then he's like, okay, well maybe I'm crazy. Like maybe she doesn't feel this way. Yeah. And I think that like keeps him in it for so long. This, we already said this, but like you may be in a really, a Jim and Pam relationship if all the flirting you're doing is with your eyes across the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing when that's enough? Isn't that incredible when that's the game? Yeah. Oh, especially when there's like a shared moment, a shared joke in a big group in public. And I think that your eyes go to the person that you care about the most, like in a big shared moment. And when that person catches your eye too, that to me is the like dumb Twitter joke of like, oh, you think sex is good? Yeah. Yeah. Try moving someone's eyes in the middle of of a mutual joke. Try working in a really toxic environment with awful people and then both finding the fun moments and looking at each other from across the room. Come on. I'm quarantining with my brother. This is an insane thing. I was quarantining with my brother. We both said the same joke at the same time. And I made the most insane (laughs) joke after where I went, I went in to lean to kiss him. Because I was like, it's such a movie moment where you're both like, yes, that line from Ratatouille. And then I was like, come here. Come here. You're (laughs) mine. Like, it it was a joke, but like, there's something about that that's just like so movie magic that happens in real life with Mm -hmm. those couples. That's a great one to end on because I think that that kind of quality of their relationship, their flirtationship, is Mm -hmm. part of what makes this situation, this crush stage so specific because I want to spend some time defining like what exactly their relationship is, what this crush is for the first couple seasons. Yeah. What exactly is going on? Because it's, it's different than other crushes. So, okay. The words I came up with that just kept coming up for me time and time again, when trying to like figure out what this crush was is, yeah, it is problematic. And I think that's what keeps it going on for so long. And that's why it doesn't immediately happen. Obviously, there has to be some kind of conflict. And it's problematic here because A, they work together. And, you know, it really seems on the show, because so many people date, it wouldn't be a huge deal. But it's it's not no stakes. You know, there are some stakes involved there. And then obviously, the biggest thing that is problematic is that she's engaged to Roy. Huge, huge problem huge thing but obviously you know this is something we see time and time again with people in our non-fictional lives is inappropriate crushes i was talking to somebody recently about is it when you got mail or it's like a it's a tom hanks and meg ryan movie i think it's you got mail but we were talking about how it's like kind of maybe getting outdated when you watch the movie because you're like oh that person's emotionally cheating on their spouse with this Mm -hmm. person And I wouldn't say that about Jim and Pam, but I would say like on the lines of problematic, there are some boundaries that you're like, I don't know, Pam, this doesn't seem healthy or fair to Roy. 
I thought I was going to like come after Jim a lot harder, especially at the beginning. But I I have a lot to say about Pam because she is yeah. emotionally cheating, I think. I agree. It's just so off limits. But it's also what I'm trying to say is that right now it's harder to stomach watching those things rather than back then. I don't think it was hard to stomach. You've got mail. We thought it was sweet. Right. But like now, I think in the world of lots of relationships being over the phone, over texting, over the computer, emotionally cheating is so more accessible to people now watching it. I'm like, it's kind of hard to see when people aren't being fully committed somewhere. But then the other thing, the flip of how I would define this crush is that it's so pure. And I mean that like in just the way that it's not, you know, I'm sure they have great sex eventually when they do have sex, but it's not like a sexy crush. I was just crush. about to ask you do, you, do you say that because it's not like sexual tension? I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think a good example of it, I, I've been listening to Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey are doing I love that podcast. It's so great. Uh, Not to drive competition, but obviously if you're an Office fan, you should uh, definitely listen. It's fine, you guys. You could choose between us or them. I get it. I've been listening to um, specifically a lot of big Jim and Pam episodes to try to like dissect things. And something they mentioned in the Casino Night episode is a Jim stage direction. It's the moment um, in Casino Night where – they're playing poker or something and they're like flirt again i like yes, i flirting across the table yes. where he's like what was that and she's like i don't know like she does the oh, little the bluff, smirk. the bluffing the bluffing right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and the stage direction is jim just enjoys this woman so much he finally has to break eye contact and shake it off oh i your face what I, yeah <laughs> just And that word just, he enjoys her so much. And that's what it is. It's so pure. God, if I saw that as a stage direction and I had to do that, you couldn't, you, I wouldn't be able to enjoy anybody like he enjoys her. No. Sorry about it, but it's just so pure. Is that what makes it pure? The absence of like this like sexual tension and then also maybe just the inherent, we don't even have to talk, but just looking at each other brings us happiness. Do you think that's it? I think it's that it's, they know even without the sex that it's more than that. Exactly. I mean, like even I think it's the couple episodes right before they he asks her out in mm-hmm. like the season three, he gets his haircut because Karen tells him to get his haircut. And she mentions like his hair looks good. And I was like, it just fe- it felt like crazy because I was like, do they even compliment each other's looks? Like yeah. it's just so pure about each other's souls mm-hmm. that it was even weird for me to hear her say that. I was like, oh, my God. They also like kind of are fucking into each other's body. Right. But you don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a point when they're like joking about something and then he kind of like gently starts holding her hand. Oh my God. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? They're like laughing, barely going to touch you, but we're going to sink into it a little bit. He's not trying to cop a feel. He's not trying to like put her, his hand on her thigh. It's not skeezy. It's just like, if I can a little bit hold your hand. Just a little bit. It'll make my heart come. That's what he wants. Truly, truly, he's trying to make his heart come. That's all that it is. Nothing else. Nowhere else does he want bodily fluids. Just his heart. Just his heart. (laughs) heart. That kind of elephant in the room of their these first two years or the first two seasons is that this crush has been going on for a while, and we as an audience felt it. By the time we're at the end of season two, I think he's known her for three or four years. You know, we find out later he's had a crush on her from the moment he saw her. So this is years of crushing. 
Yeah. And I don't, I'm a, I'm a crusher. Me too, baby. And I've done this. Like I've crushed on somebody for way longer than I should. And you know what? I've also like for terms of being open and having this conversation, I think I've also in my not finer moments been the Pam. I do think I liked people that I wasn't with that Mm -hmm. I like wanted to see how far they would go or just yeah. like see not believe in their crush on me so need for them to like stick with it and prove it to me a little bit through time which is not fair to the other person yeah but I think it comes from like protecting your heart a little bit which I think is what she's doing so I kind of wanted to break down some of like the big reasons that we all stay crushing and why Jim yeah. and Pam both stay crushing for so long without anything happening. And yep. we've started to talk about it, but let's really get into it. I think the first big thing is when the person you like is with somebody w- you feel they should not be with. Yes. So that's it. That's a huge reason to crush and never yeah. end and never stop because a hundred percent, especially if it's like Roy. Right. Cause I, I think that they, they try to soften up because I've heard them talk about, they like tried to soften a lot of the characters up in season two, but Roy is the worst like he's legitimately I think emotionally abusive and I I think it's important to draw attention to it because generally the office does a pretty good job at making everybody pretty human you know later on where Roy tries to like reform and win Pam back he has some sweet moments but I think it is important to like draw attention to the horrible things that Roy does because he doesn't want her to hang out with her friends you know when you see this in the pilot where she's like do you want to grab a drink with these guys and he's like no let's just go home Mm-hmm. and that's manipulative and then he doesn't support her doing anything that would like take her out of Scranton and out of their lives yeah. when she wants to do the Dunder Mifflin art internship he, he doesn't like that it's so sad it's so sad and they have like a full like we don't hear the audio but they have like a full fight about it yeah I mean honestly if I saw one of my friends in a relationship like that and it looked mm-hmm. like that I would be severely worried Yeah. And I don't think Pam has many other like friends in her life, to be honest. It doesn't seem like she talks to anybody else about her relationship. If you don't have the validation from other people that this relationship is as bad as it is, you don't know that it is. And the thing with Roy and Pam is I was trying to put this timeline together. They talk about going to prom together. And then they, you know, they've been engaged for three years by season one, but they've been together for seven or eight. So I think that They got together, like, let's say 17, and then we meet Pam at, like, 24-ish. I think that's the timeline. So I don't think she's known anything else. She doesn't know better. And I think we see this with our friends all the time where we know someone is terrible for our friends or the person we have a crush on, but, like, they have no idea that that's not what love is supposed to be. That's not where relationships are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're Jim, you hold on. Exactly. You think there's no way she's going to marry him. There's no way she'll go through with it. It's just going to take her time to let go of him. Oh, my God. I just had a huge thought. Don't yes. want to derail this specific no. conversation we're having. Go. But I will say, I do think also this long-haul crush Jim has kind of romanticized men not giving up. mm and I don't know, in college, I had a lot of guys that I was just like, no, I act like I'm like a friggin' dated all the time. But I just, I do know that in my past of dating where I said no, or like, I'm not right now. Mm-hmm. And they kind of were just like, I'm in it for the long haul. Oh God. And kind of like, let the no go or not, not even, I remember having many of my girlfriends be like, you have to specifically say no. 
Because mm-hmm. if you say not right now, yeah. if you say anything that is like a nicer no, they're going to do the gym thing. Yeah. It kind of romanticizes not listening to her a little right. bit. Right, right. And like still doing it. And yeah. thinking like, oh my God, he really does love her. Even when she is focusing on her other relationship that she should focus on, he still pursues her. Right. I don't know if that was welcomed, right? Like, No, that's such a good yeah. point. Again, and this is a show that I think so many people saw themselves as the gym, the everyman, or at least guys wanted to see themselves as the gym and the everyman. And they glamorize kind of waiting on this show. And that's something, you know, we'll probably talk about when we talk about the wedding. But even like with Michael and Holly, they glamorize the waiting. And I think that's a fine line between knowing when to wait and when not to wait. When you're when someone's with someone that is so like Roy level bad for them, that I feel like is more of a green light to wait because you you feel that it's the right thing to do. But I do think it's a fine line because when do you know if someone is a Roy? Exactly. And I think it happens more with men looking at women like being like, oh, she's just she just doesn't know her worth. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's just insecure. Pam's just insecure. Like, I don't think this works directly in this relationship, mm-hmm. but I do think that it, like, kind of romanticized this guy just being like, I disagree with what she thinks right, right. now, and I'm going to stay around. Right. And I think eventually he does learn, but not mm-hmm. until the end of season two. I agree. The second thing that I think keeps us crushing longer than we should, this is on Pam is when the person gives you reason to keep crushing on them because they're flirting back. This is not a one-sided situation because we've seen one-sided situations with Pam. We see Toby have a crush on her and she doesn't flirt back. No. She's like, give this toy to your daughter. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is like one of my big theories. I think it's really, if you don't have any chemistry with somebody, I think it's really easy to not flirt. We we choose not to flirt all the time. Because why wouldn't we just flirt all the time then? Right. It feels so good. No, and that's why, that's why um, what I said about like guys like doing that uh, problematic behavior doesn't actually line up with Jim because Jim is getting weird confirmation from Pam to the point where if I was talking to my friend who was in Jim's place, I'd be like, she's, I don't think you're, you're making this shit up. You know what I mean? How many times do you have a friend tell you, okay, these are like small things in their behavior. Can we lay this out in a Mm -hmm. non-biased way and be like, are these signs that they like me as well? Right. And all of Pam's behavior are go green light. Oh, absolutely. And and it's in the day-to-day occurrence, the catching someone's eye. But there's also some like big things that happen where we feel like Pam is going to crack. And we see it at the Dundies when she's drunk and they're in the... I mean, first of all, she like kisses him because she gets in a fight with Roy and that whole episode is very juicy. But afterwards in the parking lot, she has this moment where she's about to get in Angel's car and she's like, hey, can I ask you a question? Oh my God, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she sees the camera and it's like, never mind, and gets in the car. And then the other big moment is in the Booze Cruise episode where like Roy and Katie are being like the most basic. I want to do a one act in a black box of Booze Cruise because Booze Cruise is so good and heartbreaking. Oh, God. Yeah. Everyone has a moment, too, in Booze Cruise. Mm-hmm. Like Dwight and Angela. It's an ensemble piece. Yeah, a true ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. It's the Rent of Office episode. Yes. <laughs> but there's that moment where, like, Jim and Pam go out on the deck and she goes something like, sometimes I just don't get Roy. 
And then there's this long, prolonged pause where I feel like he's waiting for her to say something and she's waiting for him to say something. And I think it's this like big unspoken moment of we're with the wrong people. And then she, you know, goes back inside. And, you know, Michael, this is when Michael says to him, BFD, engaged, ain't married. But I don't know. I feel like I'd say the same thing. I'd be like, clearly, she's not happy with whatever's happening. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. I have a crazy thing. You might hate me for saying this. This might be so not kosher, but I'm doing it for sake of doing it. Yeah. Would we hate her behavior more if she was more hot? She's stringing him along, Mm -hmm. obviously. And because she's so like relatable and like the girl next door, I think we forgive her more. But if this girl was like freaking Cameron Diaz or I don't know why I thought that was the hottest girl. (laughs) I would be like, this girl's toxic. She's in a relationship and she's cheating on that person with you. You know what? I think you might be right. Okay, but I think if she was, it would come from a different place because you know how there's like hot people confidence and there's hot people power. Yes, that might be what we're talking about. Hot yeah. people power. Hot people power. <laughs> it's like a brilliant, brilliant way to label it. Yeah, That's hot people power. And she and, and Pam doesn't have that. No, she's and she's like obviously beautiful and is like the most oh, beautiful yeah. in the office, but she's not. It's hot people power and it's hot people privilege. She's not someone who has had her whole life defined by people being like, yeah, whatever you want, Pam, I'll give you whatever you want. You're hot. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It's almost the opposite why mm-hmm. she's staying with Roy because she doesn't think she could get anything else. Yeah. And also, I'm not talking about um, Jenna Fisher's hotness level. I'm talking about the way they like dress the character, yes. like the wardrobe of it all. They purposely, like especially when Amy Adams is introduced, they purposely mm-hmm. don't want her to be anywhere near hot. And that isn't yes. her natural looks. That's just like the way the character's drawn up, I think. Yes. Yeah. They truly have her in like cardigans. Well, we'll talk about it. A little bit later, but I have a thing about I think if Pam um, also was a guy, we would hate Pam. Yeah, I think if Pam was super hot, a guy, yeah, she just gets away with a lot. I think if we were friends with Pam, if she existed in our life, we would be so frustrated with her because we'd be like, what are you doing? What do you want? Are you Mm going to continue to live this way with this person you're clearly not happy with? Are you going to continue to work at this job? And I think that's another thing that is hard for Jim to see is that he knows that Pam wants more, not super consciously. Like I actually don't think that they're people that push each other, but he at least like we see it when the Dunder Mifflin like internship comes up. Jim knows that Pam is into art, wants her to go and do this. And I think that's another thing when you're like, if I was in a relationship with you, I would see who you really are and I'd want yes. you to do these things. And that's so dangerous to fantasize about when you have a crush on someone because you're just like, your current relationship doesn't like understand this about you and they don't want what's best for you. Oh, no, that's your – it's truly – I think that's dangerous and that's like crossing emotional boundaries for yourself because yeah. that's saying you want something so badly that you've convinced yourself it'll fix other parts of you, mm. like your career, mm-hmm. right? And like that's just – that's not really cute. It's yeah. just not. I sometimes have to like really walk myself down the road to like get my head out of it. Cause I'm like, Megan, if you started dating this person, it wouldn't fix their entire life that you would still be yeah. frustrated with the fact that they don't know what they want to do with their life or that they're stuck in the same place. Like you would not fix them. Oof. I get so caught up in all of these other reasons we just listed of why I stay crushing yeah. that it's really yeah. hard to get myself out of it sometimes. 
Totally, 100%. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's human. That's why everyone crushes. Yeah. We all, everyone poops and everyone crushes. I feel like I just only spoke inappropriately about how crushes are so, so awful and bad, but also they're the best things ever. Crushes are a scary territory and they, it's like absence of the mind. It's all impulse. It's like, you're like blacked out drunk and you're like, I think I heard, I think they said this. I think they feel this way. Right. And you're like, no, you're blacked out drunk or like you're an infant. It's like, no, you, you, you need like people around you when you have a crush, like the deeper it gets because you kind of like forget to check in with a grounded sense. Right. It completely disarms you the way that alcohol does. It's, I Chill mean, it. love is a drug, as some people say. Love is a drug. <laughs> okay, I think we can now move into the Casino Night Confession, the culmination of two seasons of crushing. Let's try to just, uh, you know, uh, put on our actor brains for a second. And oh, it's already on. It's always, I mean, you're truly wearing a wicked hat. So. Listeners, I'm wearing a wicked hat and I'm dancing through life. <laughs> If you ever do the relation, you should do musical relationships and do Fierro and Alphabet. Absolutely. Okay, but let's think about what do you think it is for Jim that like gets him to this point where he's like, I'm going to do it. I have to tell her. Because there's other points throughout the first two seasons where he almost tells her, like with the note and the teapot and maybe on booze cruise. But what do you think it is about the casino night evening that makes him finally do it? I can picture in this writer's room. This is what I picture. I Mm -hmm. picture someone asking that exact question, being like, okay, we're finally going to fucking do it. Yeah. And we need the biggest moment to give him this courage, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that moment is the reason, is is you reading that stage direction. I think they wrote that to be the reason. Mm -hmm. I think that scene, in combination with the the context of the buildup of the season, but I think they wrote that to give him this like moment of true ecstasy where he's like, (laughs) fuck it, I'm doing it. Because besides, like, the Roy stuff, like, what else happens before that, before he confesses his love? The other thing, the only other thing that I'm, like, I was, like, trying to, like, detective work it, because it does have, um, in that episode is when Jan's, like, he's thinking of transferring. He's smoking a cigarette outside. She's, Jan's smoking a cigarette and he joins her. And she goes, have you told other people in the office? Mm -hmm. And then he has that, like, moment where he thinks and you just, like, see him being, like, if I tell her, maybe I'll get her. Yeah. 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 And I almost point. think maybe when he goes to talk, I almost think maybe he starts as like, I'm just going to tell you that I'm leaving and see what happens. He just says I'm in love with. I think it maybe is a split section. I don't know. Maybe we'll ask John Kaczynski one day what his choice was. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll text him right now as we're talking. But right. um, <laughs> but I'll also say that I think it could be the other way around where I think he could hear that thing from Jan. Mm hmm. And he goes, oh, my God, I have a security blanket. I'm going to do it. And then if I make a fool out of myself, I'm going. That's 100% what it is. Right. It's got to be. It had to be the moment at the table when he literally gets joy from just this person. Mm -hmm. He goes, okay, I'm in love and I'm not going to deny it anymore. And then Jan says, oh, my God, are you going to move here? Yeah. He goes, great. I have have a backdoor option. Yeah. I empathize so hard because later there's a scene where um Dwight's broken up over Angela and he's like truly moaning against the wall in the stairwell mm-hmm. do you know what I'm talking about like yes. moaning like a hurt animal and, like, 
And like moaning like a hurt animal or like a bad production of Glass Menagerie. <laughs> That's the only times I think who moans when they cry. Jim goes and talks to him and is like, did, you, did I ever tell you why I left Scranton? And so this is what he says about his state of mind around this time. Did I ever tell you why I left Scranton? It was all about Pam. She was with Roy and uh, I just couldn't take it. I mean, I lost it, Dwight. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't concentrate on anything. And then weird stuff like food had no taste. So my solution was to move away. It was awful. I just, I empathize with this because it's like, it, I think, as we said earlier, crushes get to a point where they're all consuming and you're like, it's now or never. It's all or nothing because I can't be around it anymore. Oh my God. Oh, speaking of which... I was your wing woman, and I remember your big moment was at the end of the quarter. And I do remember in UCLA, like, people would start hooking up or do crazy things towards the end because, I mean, like, who cares? We're all going right. to summer break. I don't have to sit with my humiliation. Um, yeah. That's a thing. Okay. So let's go into uh, – we're going to play the audio of what Jim actually says to Pam because, oh, God, I think it's just such oh. a well-written little confession. Hey, uh, can I talk to you about something? About when you want to give me more of your money? No, Did you want to do that now? Literally. We can go inside. I'm feeling kind of good tonight. I was just, um... I'm in love with you. What? I'm really sorry if that's weird for you to hear, but I need you to hear it. Probably not good timing. I know that. I just... What are you doing? What do you expect me to say to that? I just need you to know once I can't yeah you have no idea don't do that what your friendship means to me come on I don't want to do that I want to be more than that I can't I'm really sorry if you misinterpreted things I'm sorry I misinterpreted uh, our friendship let's all come in our hearts yeah <laughs> Exactly. I want to talk about it because I think this kind of goes back to what you're saying earlier. I think that there are some times when a confession of love can be really selfish, especially if someone is in a healthy relationship and you're just like, I, I just need to tell them because I need to get it off my chest. I think that can be really selfish. And I kind of, you know, as someone who's like trying to be a little more gym skeptical, I went into that being like, is this selfish? But I actually don't think in this case it is. And A, it's just like incredibly human because of everything we just described, the way that the scene plays out, the like acting of it. It's just this beautiful, relatable moment. But I kind of also think in some ways it is selfless to tell her because he has yes. everything to lose. Like he is risking everything. I think his point of view is like, if this doesn't go well, I will then leave. I will get out of the way and yeah. go. I think he's crisis managing right now mm. he's like we're at a point where it cannot do this anymore right. or i like i can't keep living with this crush girl. we either have to act on it or i have to let it out be humiliated and move on in some ways i'm kind of like she deserves to know that she has a choice to not be with roy especially because roy is so terrible and, and it's not like a perfectly healthy relationship that you're just adding drama to for no reason for your own need i think he mm -hmm. really sees that Roy is incredibly problematic and she really deserves to know just to have all of the information. And that's why I love the line of like, I just needed you to hear it once. 
I think that is like so beautiful and pure. Exactly. A, conf- a selfish confession is in, in yeah. like I needed to hear it once is the love actually confession. The like door. Yes. 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 It's just like, I love you. Deal with it. And with this one, it's like, I love you. I can't deal with it. I want you to know it. I don't, I honestly think he stopped himself because he didn't want to be selfish. Yeah. Because he was only thinking about her. Like, why else not? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it was a selfless moment. And and we needed that from Jim. And then he goes back and he kisses her. So this is their big first kiss. And actually, I really do recommend the Casino Night Office Ladies episode because they talk about setting up this shot and like really? what a big oh, deal this kiss was and how they – and John Krasinski comes on to talk in this episode. They had Jenna and John in separate rooms. They weren't allowed to like see each other the whole day of this shot. I have chills all over my fucking body. That wild. How theatrical. I know. That's like when an acting teacher is like, I'm going to tell you something in your ear right <laughs> yes. now. This kiss has grown on me in terms of TV first kisses because I I feel like I generally love like a dramatic music playing kiss. And this one's a little more, you know, just, she's like on the phone with her mom. Yeah. She's like, mom, one second. They're like in the office. Yeah. Yeah. It's like dark. There's no music. It's super awkward, but it's grown on me. And now I think it hits harder because I'm like, oh my God, it's so human. I think what happens is that Jim tells her, she, she says no. And then he leaves. And this is where, like, it could be potentially problematic for him to come back and, and do the kiss. And that's why this gets, like, tricky. This It's like this trusting your gut. But the thing is, like, he is right because she just on the phone to her mom was, like, about 10 minutes ago. And then she says to her mom, yeah, I think I am. I think she's saying, like, yeah, I think I am in love with him. So it's like, yeah. I also think what's important is that moment when they lock eyes. So if he walked in beelined for her, grabbed her face and kissed her. I'd be like, maybe a little problematic. I think he's he he really takes her in for a second. Yeah. And then I think he goes for it off of her. I don't think he's just like, give me your face. Right. Let me slobber all over you because I want that. I yeah. think he looks, he just wants to see her eyes one more time and be like, does she actually, you know what I mean? They both have to lock eyes in some way that he has motivation to kiss her yeah. because it just doesn't feel like. I, I just sometimes I think you you sometimes have to trust your gut and put it all on the line. And then he does go and then he does respect it, you know, the whole third season and his his him being like, Pam rejected me twice. He's like, I get it. I am moving on. I am like doing everything I can to move on. Before we wrap it up, I do kind of do want to talk about have have you ever had a gym moment where like, have you ever had a profession of love where you're just like, I just have to say it or been professed too? Never. I mean, I've had a couple friends of mine be like, this is actually how I really feel. Mm. Nothing like a beautiful statement of love. Also, I think maybe it's just because it was only in college or something, but never the L word from just friends. It was Mm -hmm. always like, I think we should date. Yeah. Or I think we should hook up. It was never like- So romantic. (laughs) Right? It was never like, I think I'm in love with you. It's usually just, I think I want to hook up with you at the (laughs) treehouse. Never. What about you? I, I think it very rarely works out, and which takes me into my story of when I professed my love for one of my best Oh, my friends. God. Let's hear it. It went horribly. Did you leave Scranton? Did you have a backup plan? Oh, my God, Megan. No. I And here's, here's the takeaway is I think I was in a very similar place to Jim in that I was also going crazy. Like when he's talking about yeah. how he like couldn't focus, he couldn't sleep. I think this is the yeah. only time I've been in love that it was fully unrequited. Sick 
to my stomach in love with this. Wow. Yeah. It was. Do you mind me asking your age? Um, This was two years ago. So I was 20. Okay. 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 Yeah. 25. I, I was just done with being in this confusing will they won't they situation because everyone would ask about this person all the time and everyone would assume we were a couple and I thought we were acting like a couple and we had many, many eye flirting moments. I was like, I just have to do it. Yeah. The difference is <laughs> between me and Jim where I uh, <laughs> where it didn't go well for me is I think that Jim had this really like lovely combination of and obviously whatever he's writers behind him. <laughs> you didn't have a writer's room. I didn't have a writer's room for my confession of love. And that's actually the advice that I would give is just, you know, float some ideas around. Just like, yeah, pay people like a good writing wage and float some ideas. Yeah. Get in touch with the WGA about uh, a day rate. Yeah. Like a diverse room. Have a diverse room, Mm -hmm, of course. Absolutely. All different types of opinions and then start hitting the page. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't have that. And I didn't, I feel like I knew it was the wrong moment. There was nothing about this moment that this is the moment, except that I was like, well, we're on a pier. So, and I had had a lot of cocktails. That'll do it. That'll do it. As I started to do it, I was like, this is not going to go well. He is not in the right place to hear it. You are not in the right place to say it. But I I think I had just decided that I had to say it. And didn't listen to like any of my instincts at all. And I actually think that Jim is pretty good at listening to his instincts. And that's why he said what he said. Might be the writer's room again. Yeah, again. again. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Really? That walk home was. (laughs) You walked home from the pier? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. I don't know which one's more horrible. The the moment, are you walking home from the pier? But also, I will say, I was thinking about what you were just saying, and I have a friend that was like in a will they, won't they thing, and every time that person approached the the, the situation, they were they just went, "What's what's going on here?" Yeah, and I think a, that is like a more timid way to handle it when you're like in a friendship and it's a will they, won't they, and you're just like, "We need to talk about this." Yeah, right. Versus doing the more courageous and more kind of efficient way of doing it, being like. This is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Where are you at? Yeah. Instead of making this like a let's both discuss and come to a conclusion on what we want, it's better that um, you would just be like, I have love for you. Yeah. I am in love. Yeah. And it's not selfish. No. And, and I think I didn't do that. I was also like, sometimes I feel like there is something between us. I feel like somewhat like a key, accused feels like a strong word, but I feel like I implied that there was something on his end where I should have just talked about my own yeah. feelings because that's all I really know how to speak to. I think the the modern day Jim would have done the same thing. Yeah. He would have made it a lot about Pam too. Mm-hmm. Been like, you're, you're, I could tell you have feel. you know what I mean? Right. Putting, he just made it about himself. Mm-hmm. And that was it. There are many modern day Jims walk among us um, because they're all the guys that like to think they're the funniest in the office. <laughs> you might call it Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> Or Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, you might call it of anybody walking off of an improv stage. <laughs> Are there any kind of red flags for you in the first couple seasons between both of them that were like, yeah, we love Jim and Pam. Mm, I don't love this. 
I don't know. What about you? I don't know. Hating on Legally Blonde. Um, you know, definitely. Sure, sure. Definitely That's red flag. There's also that little, it's, this is like the fire scene where they're playing all those games. There's a little bit of Pam editing herself for Jim where she's like, okay, fine. I take it back. That's a flag. It feels honestly kind of out of character generally in the first couple seasons. I think it's more prevalent once they get together, but I do think there's a little bit of like Jim being the star of the relationship once they are together. But in this period of time, in this first couple seasons, I mean, I think this just comes back to to Pam. And I was really coming, I was really ready on this podcast to like come for Jim and and to talk about how Jim's problematic. And I think I eventually, you know, will have more things to say about him. But in, in the way I think about it, is this, if the genders were swapped, and we talked about if Pam was hot, we would feel differently. But I also think if Pam were a dude who was engaged and like really passive about his life and like not really going after knowing what he wanted or going after what he wanted, and he was with someone who was like maybe a little bit controlling, but he kept another woman kind of on a hook as a flirty friend and then completely denies that there's any chemistry there when, when it comes up. When she's like, oh, I'm sorry if you misinterpreted things. We would hate this person. We would hate this guy. We would think this is gaslighty. We would think this is him yep. needing to be a good guy and he can't be in the wrong and can't be accused of this like emotional relationship. So I, again, this just comes back to I think Pam's behavior is kind of shitty and she gets away with it because she's so like humble and down to earth. And, you know, she herself is so charming. Yeah, I mean, I also think... They did that probably. I mean, they built her to like have strong ethics and morals. Yeah. Like she's like a person that isn't bad. So she, we do let her get away with a lot in this relationship. But also I'd say this. I'd be curious as to what you'd think since you've been on this journey of looking at these relation, these fictional relationships. I don't want to act like I know what this writer's room looked like. And we're making right. jokes about it. But like based off of my knowledge of the early 2000s and in the industry, I don't think there were a lot of women probably in the room. Also, I don't think there were a lot of anything but straight men in the room. Yeah. Um, there must have been a couple women writing on this show. I mean, we have Mindy I mean, I Kaling, should... and there, I think yeah. there's at least one other woman that they bring up. But the head writer is what's-his-face. Greg Daniels, yeah. Yeah, versus, like, different shows where it's like you, you already did Insecure. That's like a head female writer. It is curious to see, like, a room of men writing this type of relationship versus other types of shows. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And I wonder, like... Is is Pam a lot what men see that type of woman? Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. She got away with a lot. Yeah. She's she's very relatable in that we're like, I can see myself being this person, but I think most women I know have more drive than Pam, even at that age, or know what they want more than Pam or demand more than Pam. And I wonder at what point they had this conversation of like, we need to evolve this character into being a stronger person. I think so, because it seems like a really put together thing in season three where they're like okay we uh she goes i'm learning to have a voice yeah and it's like yeah you guys we're gonna we're gonna give pam a backbone this season she's gonna walk on fire and we're gonna have her say to the camera i'm learning to have a voice yes exactly but also i mean i don't want to say that huge judgment it's just like a it's just a food for thought no i think it's really interesting her creation yeah yeah just a couple little last things for all those people that are relating to the Jim and Pam flirtation in these early seasons, do you have any advice for anyone on either end of the relationship of what you would tell someone in a Jim and Pam oh situation? God. I mean, after hearing your peer story and watching <laughs> Jim's, I would be like, 
though you do want to get it out, mm-hmm. read time and place, look at look at the surroundings, figure out the best moment. Right. But also, is there a best moment? I don't know. But if you feel in your gut before you talk, Megan, that you shouldn't do it, maybe follow that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you have a long walk home from the pier. Yeah, it was also but, like November. Um, it was freezing. I also be like, Pam, maybe we need to talk to other people that aren't your mom. You need like someone that's like screaming in your face. You need to like, I don't know. Listen to Lizzo, Pam. Come on. Yes, Pam needed Lizzo. <laughs> yeah, like, just like get some girls around you to like remind you of your worth yes. and tell you that you shouldn't string anybody along. Yeah, Pam needed more female friends. I know. Like you do think, like in another world, if she had a friend at that office, would she have been in that situation for that long? No way. Right? Like it's like, come on. Could you imagine being Pam's roommate? Exactly. You'd be like, get it the fuck together. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's my thing is like I think it's hard to give advice to a fr- to a Pam. Pams is, have yeah. fully convinced themselves that everything is fine. And anytime anyone makes any sort of like reference towards their flirtation, Angela mentioning Pam Pong or like Phyllis insinuating there's like office romance between her and Jim, she just like shuts it down publicly to everyone, but also I think privately within herself because she's in denial. So I think it's so hard to give advice. And we know those people that are like, "Mm, ah, nope, can't compute. Something's messing with my worldview. I would have to do a difficult thing. And so I won't do it. It's so that's why it's so frustrating to be a gym crushing on a Pam. Am I crazy or like or are you just completely denying it? Yeah. And I think like the way through that is like support systems. Yes. yes. Gonna, like, and that is what I think both of these people were lacking. Absolutely. Is like grounded friends, not a not a Mindy, not a Dwight. People that can actually bounce off with you and be like, that's gaslighting. Yes. <laughs> that's flirtation mm-hmm. and help you. Because, like, my big takeaway from this episode is that, like, when you have a crush, you're like a blacked out kid. Absolutely. And finally, this is the last segment of the episode. And this segment is called (laughs) All Aboard! Choo-choo! It's the moment that you, watching them the first time or in this rewatch whenever, that you got fully on board the ship. Where you were like, yeah, they they should be together. Early moment that you love. I love that so much. Oh, when was mine? You go first. I can go first. Yeah. I mean, I'm always searching for the romance. So I feel like I probably did find it very early. But the moment in kind of like rewatching where I'm like, oh, this is more than just a work crush. Because I think you can have a work crush that you shouldn't be with. This is me being like, I am all on board. These two should people should be together. And so in, it's in the episode, The Client, which is another classic rewatch. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good throw it on, make yourself feel better. The B-plot is the um, office reading Threat Level Midnight, <laughs> Michael's oh script. And I think in this episode, you just get the proof that Jim is who Pam has the most fun with in the world. And later when they're reading the script, Roy is like, are you really going to stay for this? And she's like, yeah, I am. And then Jim and Pam have the date, the quote unquote date on the roof where they're the grilled cheese and the fireworks. And it's so good. You just see her light up around him and that he really Mm -hmm. cares about her. And I think that that feeling of like a crush making you feel like any day, any average evening is fun and funny and special. Like that's what we all want. That's what it feels like when we like someone. And it was so romantic that I also was just, um, you know, crying. (laughs) Oh, I'm yes. I mean, you were on the ship. You were all aboard. You were anything goes on the boat. Yes. (laughs) 
I think my times when I got my passport, got on the boat, got on the cruise ship, yes. um, were, I mean, all the things we've mentioned, we're obsessed with that stage direction forever mm-hmm. and always, maybe we should get that tatted, some office fans. Oh, I love that moment. I don't know what episode it is, but it's early when they're like telling Dwight that Jim can do powers with his mind Ugh. and she moves the thing with her umbrella and she looks at him like she just provided him with a fucking family of children yeah. and they look at each other like they have done the thing oh. it's like literally like in the notebook it looks like they just fucked with Dwight that's all they did but it was like she provided for him and he provided for her and it was the sweetest fucking thing choo choo all aboard all aboard that ship choo choo all aboard that is their notebook. That is their like rain getting to the end of the dock. I wrote you every day moment. Exactly. That's when Spider-Man turns upside down yes. and makes out yes. with her. And she gives him a little yeah. wink and it's so good. All right. Well, Angela, I had such a great time on our first episode. I can't believe I just blabbed on about all my crushes. This was a blast. Oh, that's what that's what we're here for. Next episode, everyone, we'll be talking about the Karen days. We'll be talking about the love triangle. A ship that I might not walk on to. Um, but in no. the meantime, you can find the show at, at Talking Ship Podcast on Instagram. So guys, tune in every Thursday to hear us continue to, you know, dissect the Jim and Pam relationship and talk about our own romantic uh, tri and failures. That's what we're here to do. And we want to hear from you Amen. about your own Jim and Pam situations and what you're learning, how you're growing and how you're working through it, because uh, we sure still are. Tell us when you walked home from the pier. Oh, yeah. I want to hear your pier stories to make mine feel pathetic. <laughs> oh, all right, everyone. We'll see you next week. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Talking Ship. Thank you to the Believe Podcast Network for helping make this show happen. And everyone, tune in every Thursday as we continue to make our way through the Jim and Pam relationship. It's ups, it's downs, and what we can hopefully all learn from it. And if you had a nice time, we'd love if you could rate and review the podcast. And if you had such a nice time that you want to keep track of what we're up to, you can follow the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast. You can follow the wonderful and hilarious Angela Giratana on Instagram at Giovanna Giratana. Ready? I'll spell it. It's at G-I-O-V-A-N-A-G-I-A-R-R-A-T-A-N-A. And you can follow me at OnlyMegan815. So send us your thoughts on Jim and Pam, on Roy, on Karen, what you loved, what we missed, and what you want us to discuss. So I hope you enjoyed and, you know, remember, never, ever, ever give up. See you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube